September 18th, 1862, the Confederate states celebrate their first and only Thanksgiving. It's just like the normal Thanksgiving, except everyone is afraid their uncle will say something not racist. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us once again, one of our all-time favorites. Uh, you know him. You love him. Jose McCall, everyone. Hey, hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, listeners, if you That you're... makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> the finally, someone said... I mean, this is like, we're on a good run of like, guest support we had malcolm donating to the patreon last time mm-hmm. and uh now we just get positive moral reinforcement from jose uh, <laughs> so because normally guests just abuse us i don't know yeah. mm-hmm. that normally gets cut out but yeah unfortunately it's it's kind of i mean we do invite chris brown on oh um... no 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 i, I didn't want to go down i don't want to go down that road i know uh, that guy from the Trump administration, et cetera. Which one? <laughs> one of the Millers, the Miller that wasn't Stephen. Oh, Jason. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, again, did not mean to <laughs> make it a thing about like physical, horrifying physical abuse. Yeah, that's probably a little much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, spoiler alert for this whole episode, listeners. This one's going to be. Oh, yeah, uh, this is the, this is the aperitif. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a little bit of the Holocaust in this one. Just just as a heads up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I should say, uh, if you are new to the show and that was have endured that weird opening and haven't turned it off somehow, uh, this is nominally a comedy history podcast um, in which uh, we discuss um, a person or event uh, from the history of the world. Uh, uh, one person presents the quote accurate uh, Ron Chernow ass historian approved version, <laughs> and the other person uh, gives a perhaps alternate uh, version that maybe you found uh, on Eight Chan or something. Again, <laughs> our premise has gotten weirder uh, as the Trump administration yeah. and QAnon evolved. <laughs> Yeah, um, we did this before they were really around. So, you know, yeah. it, it's like in like to steal a line from office space. Why should we change? They're the ones who suck. But <laughs> the, nothing's ever changed those people. Yeah, we started this podcast and we were at most at like Ananon and <laughs> it really evolved at this. Point. No, we were at Al-Anon. It's a different thing. Um, <laughs> oof. Oof. Um Regardless, to finish the concept of the podcast, um, oh, yeah. at the end, uh, we vote and then you, the listeners, vote on what becomes the true history of the uh, brilliant blue iridescent, uh, whatever. This is the speck of dust suspended in a sunbeam we call the Earth uh, going forward. And that is the basic premise of the podcast. We're in the middle of our run about spies. In fact, we're closing in on the end of it. Um. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun, fun bunch of episodes. Um, most recently, we talked about Francis Walsingham. Uh, I don't know. Do we have the results of the that back yet, Brent? Not yet, but um, we'll be sure to announce that on the next episode, which I believe, if my math is correct, will be the first of our three Halloween episodes. Yeah, so. we're gonna do three spooktaculars this year, so that's exciting. Yes. Um, um, I do want to go back because it's been stuck in my mind since you said it. I just pictured Ron Chernow having a business card that said Ron Chernow ass historian. Mm. Um, just, you know, studying, studying the great, the, sure. <laughs> the absolute, which of the founders had of the, the best. Past. Yeah. <laughs> focus on which founder had the best ass. Button um, Gwinnett. Yeah. But no, it's Ben not... Franklin. Ben Franklin. Yeah. Ben what Franklin. Do I think? Yeah. What? You don't think Ben Franklin had an absolute juicy piece? <laughs> I don't know, man. Brett Franklin seems like he was... Brett uh, Franklin? <laughs> Is that Brett his? Franklin. No, he's a the WWE fighter, Brett Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE fighter, I think. 
Um, I, I I will go on record saying Ben Franklin probably had a fantastic ass. Yeah, I was. Um, ben, I'm in that camp. Listen, he's got a badonk. Gonna Google Ben Franklin's ass. I think we can all agree. Not the worst guy in the world. Definitely among the founding fathers. You know, one of the few non-slave owners. Not Ben mm-hmm. Franklin, but the worst ass is going to be that John Adams ass. Oh I mean, yeah. There's no way John Adams had a good ass. John Adams absolutely has a Hank Hill ass. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, regardless, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get a lot of Twitter hate for our ranking of the founding father's ass. It's just a very political topic in this day and age, but um, we're going to have to push forward. Um we are talking this week about Whittled Pilecki. Is that the correct pronunciation, Ryan? Um, I've been going with Whittled Pilecki. Okay. Um, Vittled- I I don't I don't know, um, but I I'm sure like that in some way we're both off. So probably so. Uh, but it's a name that deserves a degree of respect. We're talking about a good For one this <laughs> this week. We're talking about one of the good ones. Um, uh, I believe if uh, memory serves, Brian is presenting the actual history. No, I'm uh, other way around. Oh, other way around. Okay. Jose is doing the actual and Brian is doing the alternate, which means uh, we're going to lead off with Jose. All righty. So I got it pronounced as Vitold Polekski. <laughs> well, we got three <laughs> different, at least two, and probably all of us are wrong. <laughs> uh, let me see here. I've got some notes. Um, so Vitold is born 1901. Uh, one of these, one of these millennial, one of these millennials from back in the day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of them in their in their tech with their wheel, their steam engine, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> spending so, all their money on canned sardines. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just toast. No avocado yet. <laughs> you know, he's 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 one of these young kids who doesn't remember why 19C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh so yeah he's born let's see 1901 uh his there's a whole thing with russia that kind of uh <laughs> isn't there always yeah it hangs over his life so there's this whole thing with the communists they're going they're moving uh in 1910 they move <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it, you're right it's not the relevant part we're discussing yeah it's as, just... as as far as for me it's just like there's a spooky cloud of russians over there that's kind of how i treated this <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go into the like politics of Russia. There's um, some czars. There's some Bolsheviks. It's a whole yeah, fucking thing. There's like people <laughs> uprising and stuff. Rasputin's so. doing some crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, I mean that's just always true. <laughs> Until uh, it's <laughs> so you know the the whole Russian uprising and all that. There, there. His parents move. They go to Wilno, which is like this town. I think Vilno maybe pronounced, but. He mm-hmm. loves this town. This town is like four or five times mentioned in his life. It's like he goes back. He loves it. Uh, I don't know what they got there. I looked it up and it's just like Belarusians. You know, I'm like, I don't know what's the appeal, but <laughs> <laughs> Vilno is like the shit to this dude, right? Uh, so in 1916, so he's what, 15 years old. He, uh, he, or no, in 1910, he joins the Polish Sc- Scouting and Guiding Association. So it's like the Boy Scouts. Yeah, that sounds very Boy Scoutish. Yeah, he's this dude's a whole, this dude's a real, real hall monitor vibes. This guy is, uh, <laughs> is the, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to come off as too smart, but the clue for me was the word scout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> He's what, uh, nine in 1910. He's joining this thing. Uh, in 1916, he's 15 years old. He forms his own other chapter of it. <laughs> they send him off to school. And yeah, he's like that into it. Hardcore. He's like, I'm just forming this thing now. I'm, I'm now the scout, you know? We, I think we all went to like middle or high school with at least one kid who was very much like sure. that. That yeah. kid who becomes like, what's the top one? Is it Eagle? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Eagle Scout kid, he's like, I'm in it till 
I guess I lose my virginity before prom. <laughs> so ROTC takes me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the fucking Boy Scouts to ROTC pipeline. <laughs> um, so uh, what do we got going on? 1918. Uh the commies in Russia kind of take over that whole Bolshevik people's movement. They're all, they're all, you know, they're getting it. Uh, your boy, we told here joins the military, right? He's like, we're going to, we're going to hold them off. We're going to fight with them. Uh, and in 1918, uh, he basically like does his first type of guerrilla warfare type shit. Like he goes behind their lines they like take over the region and he's like we're just gonna start blowing shit up from behind enemy lines now and take these dudes out uh so eventually he retreats he joins back with his troops liberates vilno again fucking loves vilno this dude cannot get enough of this town uh and then uh it's you know it's a lot of like in between military stuff right things are things are the world is post world war one Mm-hmm. And it's everybody's just kind of on edge. There's a lot of uh, just military service. He joins the Lancers and he's like part of the People's Army Brigade. He gets married. He has a kid. He he starts the Farmers Dairy Association uh, in Vilna. <laughs> he just can't <laughs> stop making groups. <laughs> oh, man. Definite. Yeah. Real horse kid vibes also from him. <laughs> I mean, uh, love him. Love what he does. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't need to like call him a nerd because he's because <laughs> we'll get to it. But and like, I, I, if he were, if this were an episode about a person who is a horrible, evil monster, the idea of starting a group called the Farmers Dairy Association, which I can assume <laughs> meets up and just drinks straight milk in like oh. a circle, <laughs> it sounds like a you know. That's the scene where you know somebody's a killer in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's somewhere between the the girl from Get Out and Alex from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the furries of its day. Is this guy's drinking milk in a barn? Like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, uh, um, no, here's the what is it? Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, between that time and 1931, that the farmers dairy. Basically, it's cool to see that the, this is a dude who's like n- has not lost the idea that there's a specter of war coming. So he's like stays mm-hmm. his military career and all that. 1939, he gets justified. I feel like in all that time, he's just like the crazy militia guy. You know what I mean? He's got to train for when they're coming. And like people are like relaxed, and that's why he's got the dairy thing going on. You know? But oh, I was I- picturing like Randy Quaid in Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that guy until it's time you know uh 1939 it's time it's the nazis they're all they're the other people stuff. for the entire 30s all the people around him he's like something's happening and they're like no nah, that hitler <laughs> kid seems okay <laughs> i've seen I, those nuremberg rallies and they seem like a bucket of fun yeah, exactly <laughs> uh yeah so <laughs> it's it's 1939 the nazis they're fighting uh, once again, just like the Russians, he this dude is you know in the military. Uh, he's a badass. They're blowing up tanks. They're shooting people. He's part of the 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 Polish army, and uh, unfortunately, once again, they get overrun, mm-hmm. and he gets ordered to retreat. And him and a couple of other dudes are just like, "Fuck no, man! It's you know, Vilno's here. Like, we're not going nowhere, right?" <laughs> so. They very, uh, very Bodie at the end of season four of The Wire. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh, they don't retreat. And then this time they form what's called the secret Polish army, mm. which is crazy because I don't know. You could just like found an army with some guys. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, let me introduce you to the militia movement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the idea. They have a public army and then it's like, this one's secret. Yeah, don't tell anybody about this other one. <laughs> Shh, you're in the army, but like, yeah. <laughs> That's We're the best cam- <laughs> Our, Their camouflage is their anonymity. They get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So what do we got here? It's 19. 19- oh, yeah, the 1940s. Uh, he basically, um, the secret Polish army is. Uh, I'm sure basically they're a guerrilla force, right? They're in the city. They're blowing stuff up. They're being. And so what happens is the Nazis, they're starting to round people up. They start rounding up a lot of these secret army people members and they 
believe that they had a guy infiltrate is why they keep getting rounded up quote unquote randomly uh and so since they keep rounding people up command is like we need someone to just get rounded up on purpose and see what's up uh be told you know boy scout is just like i'll volunteer you know which Mm -hmm. is like that's insane to me i'm brown i try to avoid jail i have no idea what the idea of trying to get into jail is like that sounds bananas i mean Uh, speaking as a white person also in this situation (laughs) like yeah yeah. i mean different yeah but i would also like for jail and also like not just jail but a situation where it's like you know these nazis have been disappearing people to camps for a long time anybody want to go see what that's about just (laughs) put up your hand if you just want to figure out what's going on jason Voorhees is outside does anyone want to see what what he wants does he want to borrow the mower or he's already using the mower so maybe he wants to borrow it just go talk to him while he has a lawnmower yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah those guys that uh, killed all your friends in that military movement let's go see what they're doing uh <laughs> um so he uh there's two stories it kind of goes back and forth uh one is that he just gets rounded up in a random random uh raid he's just like oh they're round people up let's go over there and get caught and then another one is that there's a lady called eleonora ostrowska that he gets caught red-handed with uh up to some business not his lady not his wife and kids uh but you know it's it's up to you to decide i feel like that's a cooler story you know you're in there you're you're doing business uh (laughs) but basically he gets captured he goes into auschwitz and uh he like is tasked with forming a resistance movement right and here's the i'm trying to find the quote uh what his duties were it's a section called underground auschwitz which sounds like a great grindcore band name to be honest but uh or like a band that people are like oh i don't know about them (laughs) Uh, if i could understand what they were saying it'd be bad uh oh here we go uh the underground military organization and the tasks at auschwitz were better inmate morale (laughs) talk about the hardest fucking job on the planet yeah that's (laughs) like why bother with that one why put that one on the list like number one duty also just like i I can't even imagine what you know just like people are being burnt you're like it's not you know i mean about the next one like i don't know what i guess unless it's like improve morale from like the perspective of the resistance where it's like don't worry we're coming and not just like like you know everyone chill <laughs> so maybe i i'm maybe. guessing that's what that means I mean, you guys are mocking this but it's basically the premise of the movie life is beautiful so yeah that, that's of <laughs> uh, who's cool. the dude who's in that uh the italian and, and and it's like antonio bergnogi yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, it is not it's, like uh, that a win- <laughs> It's not. It's not Luigi Mario. It's not that. <laughs> I think I got the initials right, though. Um, <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi. No, Silvio Berlusconi is definitely a no. corrupt Italian. Uh, a corrupt Italian uh, politician. Um, Roberto Bellini. Roberto Bellini. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we went wrong. <laughs> uh, uh. It's I apologize to the nation of Italy it. for the I'm sorry time. that Roberto Benigni is about as Italian as shit gets. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> it's as Italian as Mario Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love or it. Or Benito Mussolini. Yeah. That, well, the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Better morale. Even that I picture being hard. Like, oh, the resistance is coming. It's like, we're starving to death. Anyway, but uh, oh, speaking of which, the other duties. Inmate morale, provide news from the outside, distribute extra food and clothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Once again, talking about a hard job. And set up yeah. intelligence networks, trained attachments to take over the camp. Um, so they basically, like, they drop plans. He does his job great. The dude is is like 
uh, I don't know how you you quantify being on top of things, but it's like about probably the dude you want organizing this kind of thing. You know, right? Like you tell me to (laughs) put together a resistance in a jail. I have no idea. This guy's been like, yeah, man, I know how to bring farmers together and everybody. So yeah. uh, At one point he escapes. Uh, They get a, this is a weird one too. They get assigned to a night shift at a camp bakery outside the fence. And, they just force open a metal door and run away. Yep. <laughs> so that's pretty tight. Which I'm like, it's crazy to me that there was like a bakery there. Like, they're just like, hey, we're all just, you know. But, all right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know why in my mind, anytime I picture a bakery, it's like there's singing and pastries. It sounds fun. <laughs> As someone who has worked in a bakery for... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seven years. Um, of, no, but it's not. It's a lot of just like quiet and trying to get cut from your shift early. <laughs> just uh, a, a quick aside. Um, so Roberto Benini. <laughs> In 2002, he directed a version of Pinocchio in which he also starred as Pinocchio. Oh, I remember that. Okay. But that's then in 2019 he was in a different version of Pinocchio as Geppetto. So I guess this guy's just like really pardon the pun, got a hard on for Pinocchio because he's very, very much all about Pinocchio. How is, I'm sorry, how is that the pun? Because of his nose. Well, okay. Because I I thought the pun was going to be like, he's got wood for Pinocchio. Yeah, all right. I mean, it, it looks like a dick, I guess. That's the <laughs> well, no, because he's, he's a fucking puppet. It's hard and it's phallic. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Nose, no bounds. All right, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's wild to me that this dude has done like multiple versions of, yeah. of Pinocchio just because he's like, fucking love that doll. <laughs> <laughs> you guys going to Pinocchio Con this year? I'll be there. Roberto Benini, Italian person with this voice. Okay. I apologize. That no, was that's just wild. fine. I just, that was just wild to me. That's, that is ridiculous. Uh, all right. I don't even. Oh, yeah. He's run. We ran. We were escaping. Is that what we were doing? We're escaping uh, from the bakery. Oh, yeah. So he like buries a report at some point and it never gets picked up till after his death like he was still reporting on the outside but i guess kind of this is like the noteworthy thing is like there's a big testament to like everything he saw and heard and everything and he like buries it basically um when he escapes he tries to get people to like uh command to be like hey let's liberate these prisoners that i've been in there suffering with Mm -hmm. and they're like uh yeah you guys uh kind of don't have any resources so there's no point in us doing that for you so they just kind of leave them out to dry is what happens yeah they just fucking hang them out which is you know that's the that's the world of snitch narkery you know never work with the system they always leave you out to dry i think every spy movie ever has taught us that uh (laughs) um but yeah it's like okay you don't have ways to transport people you have no weapons so they kind of leave him out to dry he uh uh goes back to the army and he's part of the warsaw uprising Mm -hmm. which is uh you know the the ghetto in warsaw they're like we're gonna fight the nazis and then the russians kind of just leave people out to dry again It's a lot of just like, eh, you know, we were there. Where were you going on uh, in this yeah. whole time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Russians basically take over is what happens. Poland is uh, taken over by the Russians. And the uh, the commies get in power. You know, those commies, they're their whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, that thing being communism. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, it's Though, re- at this time, under Stalin, also authoritarianism. Yeah. yeah. Very, very problematic. Um, basically, what this means for him is it's like a regime change. You got different bosses and you've been fucking working against them before. It's kind of what's mm-hmm. going on here is the problem. So he, uh, the commies take over. He kind of, there's like a government in exile. 
it's like the old guard who are not the commies and he's like still loyal to them which is bad news for people in charge you know so 1945 Mm. he comes back uh to try and talk to them and he like makes this other testament about everything he saw in auschwitz and like gets people to try to like hey man like for real this was bad news uh then then 1947 he's living his life for a bit and then they just arrest him secret police uh tells him that he is uh a person who has been working for foreign imperialism is the the term they charge him with it's basically a show trial they torture him for a year he makes appeals to like other people who are at auschwitz and like you know like come on man i you know gave my life for all this i'd i'd you know get mm-hmm. me out and uh yeah they pretty much just murder him after show trial you know the the once again they fucking hang him out to dry yeah he did even get like a couple like letters of support from i can't remember who but like people in like positions of power i think like the mayor of warsaw yeah um, it's like it's like the people who escaped auschwitz all you know it was like people who were like ministers and things like that of yeah. safety and all these other kind of like just politicians but yeah it was like mm, yeah no sorry <laughs> yeah they were pro i mean the, the soviets were probably never going to listen to no matter how many appeals they got probably never going to listen to them anyway absolutely but, yeah 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 once the once the regime makes a decision you're done uh yeah. <laughs> that's stalin yeah it's uh you know that's kind of what the russians kind of did a whole bunch of like let's just kind of kill these guys up top you know (laughs) it never (laughs) that is (laughs) of all the depictions of just like russian brutality i've never heard anyone that sort of like i don't know where what do you guys want to do i I think we should kill kill everyone (laughs) you know it's a lot of purging from the top to down so now the way they do business so it was kind of like yeah man you got you know collateral damage um i'm trying to think like what the the thing is it's like a a diary the the document that he like buried that gets found later um like where is it they like made a movie about him and basically they were like this is a level of heroism we did not know like because they wouldn't fucking listen to him and it, you know mm-hmm. how militaryism is kind of about like did we kill them or not like you know right. i feel like he probably came up against that while trying to prove his point mm-hmm. where it's like people are suffering and like okay and how many munitions are there you know what i mean yeah so, it, after- very much like bottom line in the way that where it's like not necessarily about money but about like body count and resources exactly so yeah they find this thing and he's basically like people are like this dude should be like sainted like for the work he did especially volunteering to go to yeah pretty much like the worst human depravity of uh auschwitz and all that so you know old old v told uh is is getting his dues but it didn't come till like way after his death mm-hmm. so that is the story of uh you know one of the few good narc uh snitches old v told <laughs> plexky <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah kids if you're gonna narc narc on nazis yeah, like yeah uh people in positions of power people who like white supremacy classic people to narc on <laughs> yeah oh man jose thank you yeah so i have the alternate for this one um and um, I am going to preface it um, by saying I am very nervous about this alternate. Um, I'm like we've di- I mean we've discussed on the show before. It's much much harder to write alternate histories for like very good people or people who did like very good things um, than it is to write about either regular people or monsters. Um, and so I I also didn't want to uh, violate our show's guarantee of never doing an alternate history of the Holocaust because there are actual people who do that and they're bad. Yeah. Um, so what I did is very, very different uh, than any alternate history I've ever done. Um, or I think has really been done on the show. It's very joke light. It's much more 
of a piece of fiction. Um, and if that is not your bag, listeners, I understand. So this is Reader X Vitold, um, an archive of our own. <laughs> I mean, feel free to feel free to throw in jokes. Like I threw in like three jokes in here, and they're not great. So, um, with that in mind, um, here we go. So the morning of the escape, uh, Vitol Peleshki uh, woke up the same way he had for the previous 581 mornings. Uh, a horn blowing from the guard tower above that if he closed his eyes, it almost sounded like a, a, a bird song. Uh, and everything about that day progressed as every other day. And that worked out well enough for the three of them, uh, Pleshki and his two comrades. Uh, the more things seemed normal, the less the guards would suspect. So he made sure to pack his report discreetly, uh, a page here, a section there in a small pack that he had hidden inside his, I wrote trousers, which felt very unnatural, um, <laughs> but it feels very much like, a, I don't use the word trousers. I'm not my fucking grandmother, but. Prison skivvies. Yeah, <laughs> chinos. Um, yeah. Jail cargo you're not, pants you're I not a wallace and gromit cartoon is what you're saying <laughs> yeah no no exactly his gene codes i don't know that's when i that's the time i grew up um but whatever else food water fresh clothes he could gather it on the way but that report had to make it outside the walls of auschwitz so the three uh escapees to be gathered in the long bakery building uh, where the guard, well, the guards made their evening patrol and they were looking at each other, uh, looking to the guards. And at the moment they agreed on, three of them rose, their eyes locked on the guards, and then they take their first steps toward the door. And then Vitold's running and he's out the door and he can't tell just by listening how many footsteps are behind him but he can see the clear path to the fence in the light from the open door. And then he remembers that this wasn't the plan. And now he can hear more footsteps, uh, boots on rotting wood, shouts, and a crack over his head. But he has the report and that can't stay inside the fence. So he jumps. Uh, the wire fence digs into his hands, but he climbs. And there's another crack and his back is warm, uh, too warm, burning actually. Um, but he climbs, he throws his leg over the top of the wall and there's another crack and it's like he's been punched in the shoulder and it throws him over the top and onto his back just on the other side of the wall. And he looks up at the night sky and takes a ragged breath of free air and closes his eyes and finds himself sprawled on the floor uh, if you can, if you can call it a floor of an endless white room or space or expanse, like loading zone of the matrix, I guess. Mm. Um, and she's standing there, a uh, frail body and a familiar face that he knows, but can't remember how. And she smiles and there's pity just a look of pity on her face and her voice shaking. Uh, she just says, you forgot the door, didn't you? And he opens his eyes. The morning of the escape, Vitol Peleski woke up the same way he had for the previous 582 mornings. Uh, he gasps and presses his hand to his shoulder, but there's no wound to close. Uh, and the horn from the guard tower shrieking above. And everything about that day progresses as every other day. And that worked out well enough for his two comrades, but Vitold's stomach bubbled at every repetition, every deja vu of the day before. Except it, it's not deja vu when you've died, really. Um, couldn't have been a dream, because uh, he hasn't had a dream in 564 days. Um, and... Night came before he knew it. He scrambled to pack his report, 
still not knowing why he was still here, still behind the walls, still alive with a job to do. He packed with none of the subterfuge he showed the night before um, and cursed himself each time he was too loud, too obvious, which only made him louder and more obvious. Um, but the three escapees, escapees gathered in the bakery. Guards made their evening patrol. And Vittle like half mumbles something like, someone needs to remember to close the door this time. And like the other two like look at each other like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he just swallows and croaks, I've got it. And so at the moment they agreed on, the three rows, their eyes fixed on the guards, and they take their first steps toward the door. And then Vitold's running, and he's out the door. And he can't tell just by listening how many footsteps are behind him. And he can only see the shadow of the fence looming under the dim new moon, and he jumps for it. And the wire fence digs into his hands, but he still climbs, and he throws his leg over the fence. And there's a huge rip. And the razor pulls away the leg of his pants and Vittold falls to the ground, the leather bag with the report stuck on the wire. Uh, and he starts to climb for it and he's stretching to reach it. Uh, and then a wash of light from the bakery door hits him. And he's so close, but there's a crack. And one of the other escapees falls from the fence and Vittold realizes he's frozen in place. And there's another crack and a whistle like flies past his shoulder uh and it's the reports right there but so are the guards so he lets go he ducks uh he zigzags his way into the dark uh beyond the arc of the searchlights and he hides in the wilderness for two nights drinking from a spring until he finds a house with a woman who gives him her husband's clothes and a ride in the trunk of her car uh but he can't go back to Warsaw or um, he, he can't face the underground. So he goes south and west and through the mountains. And when the ghetto rises, he's not there. And another person has to volunteer to go to Auschwitz to get a report out of the camp. But they pay a price. Uh, and he's making his way down through the Swiss Alps when he slips and he tumbles down a mountainside. Uh, and the only thing that flashes before his eyes is that leather, leather bag stuck on that fence in the light of the door and then he's back in the white space and the woman is there and so is her pity and there's an edge to it now um and he begins to ask who are and before he can finish the morning of the escape Vitol Pileski woke up the same way he had for the previous 583 mornings that night the report still gets stuck and he's shot trying to retrieve it on the 586th night, he finally gets it over. The trick is to twist your leg as you go over the razor wire. He even makes it to the rendezvous, but as his companions breathe a sigh of relief, uh, he howls in celebration, which is followed by the sounds of the patrol he didn't know was nearby. And on the 599th night, he tries to steal one of the guards' rifles before they even make it out of the barracks. Uh, night 617, he drops the report in a stream before trudging back to the shouting at the fence. 632, he tries to woo Andy McDowell and suffers a fatal heart attack. Uh, and each time, there's the white room, the woman, and the return. And so on night 649, he's not expecting much. Uh, but he makes his preparations diligently. He jumps the fence, lands like a cat, uh, makes the rendezvous, gets his report to his comrades, and sinks back into the Warsaw Underground. And he's there when the masses rise up and briefly break the stranglehold on the city. And he spends the rest of the war in a different prison, but at, at least it's a different prison. Uh, and after the war, he returns to the intelligence service. And every morning he wakes up, double checks to make sure he's still there and it's a new day. Uh, and so when his superior tells him that his cover is blown and he needs to leave Poland, he does. Uh, he goes to the U.S., uh, to Baltimore. Uh, he works on the docks. Uh, he meets a Polish woman in his neighborhood, and he dies in his sleep at a ripe old age, surrounded by his family, and then an almost endless expanse of white. And he curls up at the feet of the woman with 
too many sacrifices to bear more than anyone could be asked to give and it's not fair and he looks in her eyes and realizes he's always known her name and her name is Polska and after the 650th morning years and revolutions later when he's offered to leave Poland he refuses and he finds a last little bit to give and when Stalin's troops are lined up aiming at him there's no sound and he passes through the white room and Poland is still there uh, and the pity is gone from her face and that's the alternate history of Vital Pileski uh, dick dick butthole um, just to get us back on Back on track. Dick, dick, butthole. Jizz, jizz, jizz. Okay. Um, sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Uh, I'm a full-grown adult. Could not go that long on this podcast without jokes. All right. Um, thank you very much, uh, both Jose and Brian, for your um, uh, actuals and alternates before we move on. It is indeed plugs time. Uh, a bit of a bit of a twist in the the uh, turn and the the tone, but we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk briefly about some silly stuff. I should have said this up top. There's gonna be some wild fucking shifts in tone this episode. <laughs> so just like strap in, listeners. Uh, Brian, do you want to go uh, first? Yeah, sure. Um, I I'll just mention off the bat. Um, we love uh, hearing from you, and you can write us letters at revisionistpodcast.com. Uh, Just go to the contact page, or revisionistpodcast at gmail.com, uh, or fucking reach out on, like, Twitter or Instagram. Um, and you can, if you want, if you want to be, uh, you know, part of the Revisionist Cool Kids Club, um, trying to remember fucking... Um, I, I don't know if you want to get them camel bucks, I guess, uh, review, <laughs> review the podcast on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Written reviews are especially helpful in getting more butts in the seats. Um, side note, I did not mention this when, uh, it came up, nothing, I got nothing good on Google for Ben Franklin's, butt. um, <laughs> nothing bad either. So that's also a win. Um, mm. And lastly, um, uh, lastly, uh, you can, if you are so inclined and have the means and have maybe already given to a better cause, uh, support the show on Patreon for a dollar a month or $5 a month, depending on your ability to give and uh, what sort of rewards that sort of tickle your fancy. Um, So... That's what I'll. That's what I'll. That's what I'll plug because I'm not really doing live stand-up comedy because of pandemic yeah. and baby. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Jose, you host a fucking wild ass show called Three AM. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that wild. I mean, I yeah, that's true. I sometimes get wild. It's supposed to be low key, but yeah, I'm you know sometimes a little more wasted than I need to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess wild more in like content than in tone yeah it's what a, I meant. it's a weird idea and and uh you know people are willing to talk to me about <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of on the level which i like it's cool it doesn't it's, uh it gets it's recorded but it's never posted anywhere there's no archive it's just <laughs> in the moment and then it's gone that's the whole point Mm-hmm. um yeah so i announce whenever i do it i don't really have a steady schedule because uh it's all chaos that's the point of 3 a.m yeah sure. hell yeah <laughs> and then zach you co-host the movie trap yep we talk about it uh every episode but uh if you're listening the first time basically the premise is me and my two co-hosts russell and chris uh talk about three movies that fit into a certain theme that can be as precise as a single actor or director or as abstract as a feeling but three movies that fit into that theme then at the end of the round after we've each had our pick uh, of movies that fit into the theme we vote on which was the one we enjoyed the most and the winner 
gets to pick the next theme. And that's basically the show. Um, yeah. It, if you like this, you might enjoy that because I'm also on it. <laughs> sorry. I did, sorry. I just like that because also the subtext is like, if you enjoy Zach. Um, yeah. I mean, Brian has been on one episode. Yes. So if, if there's one episode, if you if Brian is your main jam for this uh, particular show. I'm not then... even my main jam. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> then listen to the Police Academy episode. Yeah. He's on that one. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> and he'll, he'll probably be on one in the future. Yeah. Or more than one. Indeed. We might have him for a full three episode theme. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and hopefully not another Police Academy type movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's. I don't know what really, I guess Revenge of the Nerds is also sort of like a Police Academy movie. You know, that theme, so the Police Academy episode you were on, the theme was picked by me. Mm -hmm. It was during the Floyd protests and it was functionally a cap. And so we had like a movie about, we had Blind Spotting, a movie about a a police shooting. And then we had uh, a movie about uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment and then we had Police Academy, and we had you for the police. <laughs> but the cops in Police Academy do suck. They do genuinely suck. Was that the was that the third you recorded in that series? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay, so what was the whiplash like of going? Because I just watched Police Academy cold, basically. I didn't have to go from the Stanford Prison Experiment to Police Academy. I mean... The cops were still generally pretty racist, like bigoted. I mean, you know, I got it. <laughs> Except the movie, the movie likes their behavior more in Police Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Oi, ay, ay, ay. Okay. Um, but I believe that brings us to judgment uh for this episode sure and this is also one of those ones where um in a in a in a, in a certain way the the alternate has a uh, a thing where like it doesn't it doesn't make the real history untrue it adds an additional um aspects to it right so um, in that regard, uh, because I, I would feel uncomfortable changing the story f- in a fundamental way. Yeah. <laughs> every, um, every other idea I've like started trying to flesh out. I'm like, oh, this feels bad. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's not about that whole killing those people thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that that, you know, and it was very uh, much like, um, uh you know uh 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 reflective on the cost and sacrifice and and uh also a reference to groundhog day um <laughs> so yeah i think i will i think the alternate history makes, oh, makes sense Jesus. in this particular context uh because it only adds a certain i guess uh internalization to what he did that is not perceptible to the outside world in this regard uh so yeah, yeah, I think it, it, you know, it maintains the original uh, story, and adds a level of, uh, I guess, personal sacrifice and pathos that is uh, duly uh, earned uh, by this particular individual. Yeah, I, I couldn't pull this shit with any of the fucking other lamos we talk about. <laughs> Uh, sure. But uh, listeners, voting is now open on Patreon. If you are at the dollar a month or higher level. And um, there will be the final round of voting on our Instagram story on Wednesday, September 29th. Uh, So be sure to get those votes in or uh, buy your right to vote on Patreon uh, because we're operating just like US democracy back before back before a lot of modern developments. So, but yeah, buy your right to vote on Patreon. Um, But I think that'll do it for this episode.
Uh, Jose, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys, man. Hell yeah. Always a pleasure. Good seeing y'all. I'm glad you're all uh, doing fine. Yeah, glad you're doing fine. I like your telescope also. Yeah, this is, yeah. I'm in my mom's basement, so. Telescope, this is. Hey. But yeah, it's cool. <laughs> good telescope's a good telescope, baby. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flood. Uh, I am... I am Zach Powers for this week, but uh, next time you see me, I'm sure I'll have a Halloween themed. Yep, got to start fucking coming up with them Halloween names. Uh, yeah, I guess like Sack Powers, like a sack. Well, full this of heads. is not the time. We'll wait. Okay, for yeah, it's next time. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, all right, <laughs> have a good time, everyone. Have a good time. Hey. September 18th, 1927, the Columbia Broadcasting System, or CBS, goes on the air, premiering their long-running franchise, CSI Phrenology. <laughs> September 18th, 1990, Liechtenstein joins the United Nations under its official name of Diet Luxembourg. September 18th, 1793, the first cornerstone of the United States Capitol is laid by George Washington at a large ceremony commemorated every 100 years. In a fitting metaphor for America, slaves do the rest and most people forget. September 18th, 1837, Tiffany and Company is founded by Charles Lewis Tiffany and Teddy Young in New York City. The store is called a, quote, stationary and fancy goods emporium, and the slogan is, quote, stationary and fancy goods are a girl's best friend. September 18th, 1838, the Anti-Corn Law League is established by Richard Cobden with heavy funding by the pro-pun lobby. Uh, September 18th, 1851, first publication of the New York Daily Times, later the New York Times, which included an op-ed about the economic anxiety of slave owners. <laughs>